The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. This episode is episode number 285. We are getting close to the end of our sixth year of podcasting, which is pretty exciting. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating so that when someone Googles podcasts on addiction, we come up. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a thumbs up on our videos. Ring the bell so that you will be notified when a new video goes up. Today, we have an interview with a mother and her name is Christy Chavez, and her, we're going to also talk to her daughter, Nicole, Nicole Appadale. Christy is the mother of a 27-year-old, four-year recovering addict. She and her daughter share their story to give hope, to share their experience with addiction, and end the stigma associated with addiction. So let's talk to Christy Chavez and Nicole Appadale and get their story. Christy Chavez and Nicole, say your last name for me. Apadel. Apadel, thank you, okay. I think I said it that way when I did an intro for you guys, but anyway, thank you for being willing to be on the podcast and sharing your story. Um, I just, I, I know that stories such as what you guys have been going through um, will resonate with someone. Someone will listen and they will go, Wow, sounds just exactly like what I'm going through. I can do something about this. So, Chrissy, let's start with you. Just give me a little bit about your background, where you grew up, you know, when you had your kids, and, you know, kind of what life was like. Um, well, I grew up, of course, we live in Utah. Um, I had a pretty good life. My um, mom and stepdad, they had good jobs. Um, my sister and my dad were addicts. So my dad was an alcoholic and my sister is a drug addict. So addiction did run into our family. I'm glad I personally am not an addict. Um, I have, I got married to my husband, um, when I was what, like 28. Um, I had two beautiful children. I have Nicole, I don't even call her Nikki <laughs> and Tanner, who is my recovering heroin addict. And so, and can you, how old are you, Nicole? Sorry to put you on the spot there, just so that I get a frame. 29. You're 29. And how old is Tanner? 27. 27. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So what was your life like, Nikki? Um, sorry, Christy, if, if no. she's honest and you don't like it, just No, kidding. I don't. <laughs> just There's nothing kidding. can be shocking. You, we... you can say whatever yeah, you need I... to say, Nikki. Well, we, we did a recording a few months ago for a book, so we kind of have get, gave a whole spill of things, but um, I, I had a pretty normal childhood. Like my mom said, it was just me and my brother, so we were really close growing up. Um, we spent a lot of time together. Um, uh, I, I think just normal life here in Utah, mom and dad, two kids, They mom and dad went to work, we played and had fun, <laughs> and you know, we, we had a really strong relationship and connection. So I think that's um, kind of why this resonates so much between, you know, my mom and I, because we're so close as a family. And, you know, we've always had that closeness and the desire to, to help each other and build each other up and, you know, things like that. Understood. So how old was Tanner when he started experimenting with drugs? 
I want to say 15 or 16. I think he did alcohol earlier, but mm -hmm. I think he didn't get to heroin until maybe 15, 16. Heroin at 15. Oh yeah. He, wow. oh yeah. He was a great drug addict. How did, how did he get introduced? What, how, how did that happen? Uh, he went to parties, friends' houses. I mean, a lot of older kids he, he was hanging out with. We had some people that lived uh, nearby that they were older, probably 21 ish. And he just kind of very friendly, bless his heart. He kind of just made friends with them and they were like, Oh, just try this. And he was like, okay. okay. You know, I think as a 15 year old trying to fit in with the 21 year old, that's a huge, even age gap, but just developmentally where you're at, what life milestones you've been through, you know, so trying to be able to fit in with your friends and, um, you know, be cool. It was kind of just there. Wow. Did you guys know at the time? Uh, kind of. I don't, I, I, we didn't know heroin. We thought alcohol. Okay. But when we heard heroin, we about fainted. I was like, heroin? How do you, heroin. I mean, I was stunned. And how I, did you find out? I mean, did he tell you or did you find paraphernalia? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. we, and we could see it. I mean, he would be like in that. It wasn't an out because me and my husband drank and I still drink. I'm not an out. So, I mean, we knew the difference in like alcohol and cocaine for sure. But we were stunned when we saw, you know, he was loopy and he was like, uh, you know, you could just tell. I was like, holy crap. Really skinny, white, kind of sunken in eyes, very mm -hmm. like sleepy, lethargic. Um, just, it, it was very noticeable at that point, but it had been going on for, you know, quite a while before it got to that point. Like how long, right. do you know how long it had been going on before it really got bad? Well, for us, gratefully, and I shouldn't say it, but I tell him this, he moved out of my house. Uh. So he was living with a girl and which I was so grateful for because I couldn't watch that I was not I was like oh this is not working out and so I was so grateful that he moved out and he he was only 17 years old and I didn't even turn him in I didn't care I didn't care that he was no longer going to live there and I didn't have to see it and we didn't have much to do with him because you know addicts don't really want to be around sober people and we didn't really want to be around him I mean it was just like oh god it was awful and so, and we didn't know much about it at that time. Mm -hmm. So we learned a lot, you know, as we went through recoveries with him. And so, I mean, I, if I, if I can just, I kind of, I kind of want to make sure we, like, we tell our story on this. So you understand what me and, and my kids and Tanner went through and I, I'll just give the highlights. So in June of 2018, Tanner did check himself back into rehab for we don't know how many. It was a lot. He went to rehab quite a bit. And when he got out of detox, we had this counselor who was so amazing. We love, love, loved him. Brought out a piece of paper and he said to Tanner, you know, Tanner, we only see these readings in autopsies. You should not be alive. He said, we don't know how you're alive. What, I mean, he had like 11, 14. We, I don't even remember how many drugs. It was stunning. 
And he said to him, Tanner, I'm an addict, a recovering addict. I've done, I'm a counselor. I've done this. He said, you're the best drug addict I've ever seen. So whatever combinations he had in his body, he he was just like, you're the best drug addict I've ever seen. And I don't know what they all were. But he said, you know, Tanner, you are way too good at this and you will die. He said, you absolutely can never use, you don't need to use drugs. You're the best. It, you know, it, and so I think that was really great because uh, Tanner just loved Doug so much and he respected what he said. And, you know, when they're clean and their head's a little more clear, dying matters, but when they're using, they don't care. Dying right. means not, and people act like, oh, you can just say you're going to die. They don't care. Right. Nothing. There's addiction and then and everything else. And so I brought Tanner home on July 13th and on July 15th, I found my husband dead. So what um, happened? Uh, he had an infection in his heart. Oh, okay. And so um, Tanner so had gone sorry. away for the weekend. Thank you. It gets worse. So oh. Tanner went away for the weekend, and um, which was probably a good thing. Um, and so I, you know, we got Nikki over there, and I mean, it was just the biggest nightmare. We were already. You know, we had spent 30 days with Tanner through, re- we were exhausted, right? We we went through all the stuff. My husband couldn't go because he was so sick. But me and Nikki, I mean, I was with him like six days a week. I was exhausted. And now here I find my husband dead. And if people don't know, my therapist told me that I, I suffered two traumas. I didn't realize finding someone dead was a bigger trauma than the death itself until I saw a therapist. Um. And then, of course, what's the first thing that's going to come to our mind? Tanner. He's only been clean 30-something days, and we now have to tell him his father has died. Dan Carity, if I'm being honest, is the new powerful podcast to listen to. Dan is a globe-trotting television personality, a choreographer to stars like Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, a loving husband and father, and a man struggling with addiction and anxiety. On his podcast, he shares ugly truths from his life in front of and away from the camera, and those of his courageous guests as well, from the world of entertainment, sports, media, and medicine, such as NFL player Ryan Leaf, pioneer DJ Don Diablo, actor and comedian Jamie Kennedy, and many more. So check out his new podcast, Dan Carity, If I'm Being Honest, on Spotify, Apple, and Google, or go to his website, www.dancarity.com. That's www.dancarity.com. And so um, he drove by the house and um, he didn't want to come in because, of course, he was probably thought a little of it might have been about him, but with the ambulances and the fire, I mean, there was a lot of. other people there other than the police but there were a lot of police there too and so he called my phone and i handled the candidates to her husband god bless his heart i couldn't i said you got to tell tanner he can't we can't tell him on phone you got to just tell him to come home we knew we had to be there to tell him and so he came home and he walked in the house and we said dad had passed and of course he was very upset he then gets to where we're at we're shocked we're crying we're upset and of course the first we're like Tanner, you cannot relapse over this. I, I don't care what you feel, whatever you're gonna do, you cannot. Me and Nikki cannot handle one more thing. 
And he was like, he said, he told us, he said, I won't. And he, he, and he knew he was like, he was resolved, I think, with the fact that he wasn't going to relapse again, you know. And so we tried to get through that, which was a nightmare, um, but he did not relapse. So on September 11th, he was in this horrible car wreck in Utah on this. Yeah. And so um, he was standing out in front of the truck and he looked around and he heard screaming and there was this mother and her three children that had got trapped in their car. So he runs over, jumps his fence, cuts his leg open, and he rescues this mother and her three children out of the car, which was an amazing thing. And of course, nobody on the scene knows he's a heroin addict. You know, he's the big hero of the day because it took the emergency people like an hour to get through. In fact, when we saw, you know, their her family at the hospital, they said if he hadn't got her out, she may have not made it. She was that hurt and to stay trapped in the heat in that car. It was very bad. So they were like, and he was like this big hero. They did an interview with him on the news. They wrote an article about him. It was like this amazing thing. And again, nobody had any idea Tanner was this heroin addict. He was just this kid who had saved this family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we we did say don't relapse, but I wasn't really worried about him relapsing over the cart for some reason. I think when we got to the hospital and he told him, I cannot have any opioids because I'm a recovering addict, I, I knew, you know, he he is resigned like okay I can't have any of that stuff and the the people were like oh thanks for telling us and he's like yeah I don't want to relapse so anyway we get through that and on October 24th I was diagnosed with breast cancer (sighs) three months after my husband's death and um it was horrifying um it was uh, I don't even know the I I don't even know the words to say even still today it was just like you got to be kidding me, you know, like what in the hell is happening, you know? And um, the first thing that come to my mind, interestingly enough, not like I'm going to die. I got to tell my kids, mm-hmm. which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. And Tanner can't relapse over there. You know what I mean? The first, yeah. So you can tell you're a mother when the first thing comes to your mind isn't I may die from breast cancer. So anyway, I told Nikki, I called her and she was amazing as she always is even though I know she was like dying inside holy shit my mother has breast cancer after my dad you know and I I remember thinking I'm very nervous I think this may be what Tanner relapses I I was very worried that when I tell him he's going to want to relapse because I'm telling you I wanted to numb it was just this horrible time I understood at that moment why someone would want to numb from their life and so I drove home. Because this is all in a matter of what, three months? Four, four months? months? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was unbelievable. <sighs> yes. <laughs> so that's why it's so amazing, like what we went through and my son didn't relapse. I mean, that's why we tell the story because it, it gives people hope. Like Tanner can get through this horrifying time and be very clean and not relapse you know what i mean when he has every excuse to relapse oh i mean i I don't and that doesn't sound right but you know what i mean i know but that's what everybody says he had every excuse to say i to himself not to us because remember are talking to themselves they're not talking to us like i'm going to relapse so anyway i went home and i told him and of course he was very upset he was like of course you blankety blank 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 do 
And I just looked at, I let him vent for however long. And I just looked at him and I said, Tanner, you can't relapse. I said, I can't do this alone. Your dad's gone. Breast cancer, who knows? I mean, I didn't know how bad it was at the time. I knew nothing. I just knew we were going to have to do stuff, right? Nikki doesn't live and she's married, you know, and I'm like, Tanner, you, you can't relapse. And he just looked at me and I knew, and he said, you know what, mom, I won't. And we sat there for quite a while and just hugged each other and cried because we were both so physically exhausted. We couldn't believe. And this was just like, you got to be kidding me. So when you say you can't deal with one more thing, it's amazing what you can deal with because we didn't have voices. If your loved one is an addict, or if you yourself are an addict, this novel, The Long Desert Road by Alex Sorotkin, is a must-read. Part love story, part travelogue, the novel follows the intersection of the lives of a middle-aged man in love with a woman whose 21-year-old daughter is addicted to heroin. Full of unexpected twists and turns, this book takes the reader on an engrossing journey of self-discovery. And despite the difficult subject matter, you might even find humor and hope. Available on Amazon, The Long Desert Road by Alex Sorotkin. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727 314 Seven zero eight zero, And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. He did not relapse, and he still has not relapsed, and he's been clean four years last month. What a rock star. I mean, you know, being in recovery is not easy. And, you know, I I think that in some ways I'm, I'm kind of sort of wondering if the, the bad things that were happening, he rose to the occasion. He did. He absolutely did. He, he ended up, I think being the strong, I know he was stronger than me. Um, and again, he had, you know, more traumas than we did too. Like the car wreck was a bigger trauma for him than us. I mean, it was, it was cause it was, you know, Tanner, but you know, he was the one that was addicted and had to get in recovery. So, I mean, he had a lot of big traumas himself. Can I you ask, know, a, sorry, a random question. I'm, I'm sure. a little stuck on this. So when someone goes in with a bad injury like himself and they cannot have opioids, what do they give him for pain? 
they gave him some non-narcotic muscle relaxers. Okay. Everything was just, there's non-narcotic okay. stuff. There's a lot of non-narcotic okay. stuff. Actually. Fair enough. But doctors mostly, they just instantly give you opioids. Yeah. That's, I, that's their go-to. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway. Sorry. Back to your story. I apologize. Oh. No. So that, that's our horrifying story. And, you know, we got through it. Thank God. Some days we don't, we didn't know how we did at the time. Uh, most people ask us like, how did you guys get through it? I mean, it was just like, how did Tanner get through it? And, you know, it's, it's amazing what you do when you just don't have any, I mean, the other choices were bad. You know, Tanner could have relapsed and OD'd. I could have died from breast cancer. I don't, I mean, there were choices. They just weren't good ones. Exactly. You know, It's kind of like when you have no option other than to, deal live and deal that's what you do you right. know and I'm, I'm i'm i kind of wish tanner were on the podcast today i would love to talk to him because everybody that's i mean the other quite question. quite an amazing story because you know we've talked to recover addicts in recovery and you know trauma like that would definitely set them off again nicole talk talk about it from your viewpoint what was all of this like for you what yeah well, it was bad, but mostly if I just summed it up with one word, but you know, it was kind of just a lot. Um, it was a lot to take in and it was just one thing after another, after another, after another, you know, and that, that was kind of where it was just, it was a lot for us. And it was, you know, added a little bit extra that we were worried about Tanner. So we were like feeling, okay, dad died. Now what can we do to make sure Tanner's okay? and also allow ourselves to be able to, you know, go through the grieving process and to be able to come to terms with things, but make sure he is okay. Um, you know, just because I feel like through all of the addiction and, you know, things growing up my life, um, I, I really grasp onto the concept of empathy um, because I, I was never an addict. I'm not ever an addict, but I can look in the face of an addict and just see someone down deep in there struggling and needing someone just to give them a hand to pull them out, to give them that little bit of hope, to give them that a little bit of, you know, maybe I can get through this. Um, so that's kind of what, you know, we try to be for him and, you know, for our family, because if Tanner were to relapse it, it kind of came back on us too. We would have right. to, you know, I mean, we wouldn't have to, but we chose to time after time be there for him to go to um, rehab, to help him do whatever we could in our power to help him recover. Because really at the end of the day, I always would say, I want you to be able to have a life that you look at and say, wow, this life is worth living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, one thing I, I'll say, she touched on, I'll, I want to say about the one thing that we are so good at and most support or family members aren't is separating the drug addict from the person. That is so person. That is so important. When, when your person is, you know, relapsed and they're using, there's a way you, you deal with it. You, you don't do anything except tell them, uh, I love you. And when you need me, I'll do anything for you or you're enabling. And most people don't know that. 
But then what they really don't understand is when that person gets in recovery, if you treat them like an addict, and we know they do horrible things. We absolutely know they do, but that's not who they are. That's right. Addiction is such a powerful disease. It has amazing people do the most unbelievable things they never would have done. And it isn't that person. And so when we talk to people or we do these, we try and tell people, please remember when they're in recovery, don't judge them, don't shame them, don't throw it in their face. They have no reason now to stay in recovery. And we have never done that with Tanner ever for one second. And we still don't. I mean, ever. And I and I think I think once again, I think that because you guys were able to do that and to separate Mm -hmm. out Tanner from the addiction he was able right. to rise to the occasion and not right. relapse when his family needed him the, bo- mo- the most. What is he doing now? Uh, he works. Um, he's got a girlfriend. I mean, he's just doing the normal stuff. He like lives a pretty normal, normal. kind of just relaxed life. He, he lived a lot of years that were, uh, I, I don't want to say exciting, but I can't think of another word. Not relaxed. How about that? <laughs> it wasn't relaxed. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, it definitely yeah. is not. So, you know, he's kind of, you know, going that way. And I, I think he's still, even to this day, kind of taking his time to process everything in his life and the choices that he made and kind of just working through those things that, you know, at his own pace. And, and I think that makes sense because one of the things we've um, talked about when we have um, addicts, recovering addicts on the podcast is that when you start doing drugs at such a young age, there's a lot of life skills you don't learn. And yep. so now that he's what, in his 20s, 30s, 20s? 27. 27, 27 yeah. Yeah, so now that he's 27, now he's got to learn all those life skills that maybe you and I learned when we were 19, you know, or 20. So mm-hmm. now he's got to learn all of that. So he's he's doing what he's he learned. Do. Di- yeah, when you're an addict, you learn different skills. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he is a survive. I mean, he could survive anything. I mean, you know, he lived this unbelievably because even addicts will tell you they don't want to live that, and it's horrible while they're doing it, but they can't stop. Right. You know, so what they learn when they're going through this, he's been in horrible situations, been in horrible places, seen and done horrible things. I mean, you don't learn that stuff normally either, which you can take, you know, he can take away from, you know, and that's a huge learning the dark side of life, I guess you could say. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's it's a different kind of survival skill. And now now he's learning how to survive without the drugs. I... I I am sure that he knows what a big part of his recovery you both are and yes. you know really well done for going through what you went through for helping him come out the other side and being willing to share your story. There are families who do not want to talk about the fact that they have a loved one that is addicted. And unfortunately, I think until they're willing to admit it, they they probably not only can't help the addict, they can't help themselves, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that the, you guys were willing to acknowledge what he was going through and that he was suffering from addiction, but that wasn't Tanner. And so you knew if you could get him through that you would, you would have your brother and your son back. And right. um, I think, I think that's huge. So well done you two. And you can tell him that I said, well done to him for staying yeah. clean and sober for four years, because 
it's it's not easy. There's a, a, a gentleman um, on Instagram that I follow, and he's he's an alcoholic or former alcoholic, and every day he'll be like, day 565, you know, and it's right. like, okay, you know, like super well done on however many days that is, you know, because it's not, it's not an easy thing. And I, it's an everyday thing too. He says he wakes up every day and has to consciously say, I will not use heroin still. Yep. Um, after even four years, he it's it's an everyday thing because their their mind and their body want that. They always want that. That's correct. And people don't understand it if you don't, you know, if you don't live it, if you don't see it, don't they think, why it, can't like, he just like, stop? Well, because yeah, it's yeah. it's an addiction. Yeah, just say no. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's gonna work out good. That's okay that before you ever start, but once you've got it, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can't again, just say no. Most kids are going to experiment with stuff. They they do, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex. I mean, whatever hell's going on out in the world, which is horrifying right now. Yeah. Kids are going to. And we have to face that fact, that reality. Yep. It's true. You know, that don't just say no is <laughs> it's not going it, to. We hope it works, but it's it's just not. It's yeah. not an effective tool for addiction, I don't think. Yeah. Hey, you thank know. you both for being willing to talk to us today. I think your story is going to resonate with people who listen. And like I say, I think there'll be a mother and a sister who will listen to you and go, oh, right. I can do this and I get it. And I can help my brother or my father or my son or my loved one. And I think that that's huge. And if anybody wants to reach out, they can. We do help after we do podcast, people do reach out to us. Okay. Um, so I'm like on you. I think you follow me on Instagram, don't you? Christy.Chavez29. And then I'm Christy Chavez on Facebook. I don't get on Facebook as much. I'm not a huge Facebook fan, but. Um, I'm going to say they, that again. Christy.Chavez29. Is my Instagram. And just tell okay. them to put in the, when they message me, like something about addiction. Because okay. there's so much scam on Instagram, I don't. But Can if I they tell you put, how many surgeons want to follow me on Instagram? I have a private account, and yes. Right. And no. Yeah, I understand. Okay. I will do that. And I I really appreciate it. Appreciate you it. can Nick Chick, too, so they can, you know, message Nick Chick. And if you need me to send you this, just let me know. And then she's Nicole Appadell on Facebook. Yeah. And I do have a link. I, have, I do have a LinkedIn as well, because I... We'll be starting a uh, an addiction business here pretty quick. Okay, fair so. enough. Keep us posted on that. We um, send out emails every week, and we will. Yeah. Um, we'll, if you keep us posted via email about the business, um, then we can promote that to people and tell them about it. Great, that would be great. Yeah, so I went back to school, and I am now a certified professional addiction recovery coach. But I really want to help the the family members, not as much the addicts. I'm looking to really focus on the family members, and you know they need it. Yes, they you do. Know, they yes, really they do. do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So awesome! Thank you both so much. Thank you. You guys, the bomb. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the interview today and watching the interview today. I'm hoping that someone there who has a loved one who's addicted will listen to Christy and Nicole's story and kind of 
maybe see some similarities and possibly see a way out. Once again, to reach them, Nicole is on Instagram, N-I-C-C-H-I-C-5. That's N-I-C-C-H-I-C-5. And Christy is Christy.Chavez, C-H-A-V-E-Z, 29. And Christy is C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. So Christy.Chavez, 29. And Nick 5 on Instagram. And Christy asked if you could um, put addiction in the subject line so that she knows that you are writing for help. She's also starting a business because she is an addiction counselor. And her business is Thrive in Recovery. And we wish her much success with that. So we'll have another interview coming up next week. Please, if you have someone that you know who needs to get into treatment, please do it now. Don't wait. We're heading into the holiday season, and that's always the worst time for families to get their loved one into treatment, and yet it's the best time to do it. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another interview. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast point of no return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.